Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, computer hacker, Hawaiian shirt wearer, don't get cheap on me now, and co-host. Uh, 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 you didn't say the magic word, Alex Dandino. <laughs> There you go, Nedry. I like it. All right, guys. As you know, this is the finale of the pod edits genetics month. We're ending on not only the greatest tale of genetic alteration, but the movie that made me want to be involved with the movie business. Uh, this was probably my favorite movie for the longest stretch of my life. Right? Like when I, I remember the day seeing this in the theater I remember being changed forever after it. Uh, that movie, of course, is Jurassic Park. Uh, before we get started, guys, please take a second. Right now, this second. Please, 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 please. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the pod, especially on Apple Podcast app. That helps us out enormously. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Nerd Alchemist, plural with an S at the end. And uh, you can reach us on any social media that you guys are on. Uh, we do a lot of Twitter, at Film Alchemist and the number one. Uh, you can also email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, with your suggestions on movies you'd like to hear us cover, themes for a whole month, double features, uh, new movies you'd like to hear someone talk about, guests to be on the show, anything. We want to talk about the movies you want to hear us talk about, obviously. Uh, that is enough for business that's enough business guys jurassic park the movie that broke my brain when i left the theater seeing jurassic park i was but a boy i was a young boy and this movie had every fucking thing to me and i remember i told my friend dan this on his podcast dan hamamura i was just i didn't know anything about movies as a business i didn't know how to do any of the things i saw on that screen but all I knew, like, I didn't come out of that movie and say I wanted to be a director. I wanted to somehow become the primordial essence of Jurassic Park. I wanted that much magic to be a part of my life and soul. And to be fair, I don't, this is one of those movies I don't think has ever lost shine to me. Right? No. There are a couple things that are weird. And uh, the older you get and you start learning about how they make movies, you're like, that's a weird choice, but okay. You, uh, this movie know, has just never lost a step with me. Yeah, I uh, I had a similar experience. Like, my parents were a little stricter with me, and they wouldn't let me go see it in the theater. And then they rented it for me, and it blew my fucking brain out of my skull. It was the craziest thing. And I was enamored, and I agree. Like, it's definitely one of those – it's one of those watershed movies. It's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. But like, oh yeah, it's one of those watershed moment movies where I watched it and I was like, holy shit, that's real. That has to be real, right? It looks so real. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, like there are movies that came out after this that have had CGI in them that looks just terrible now. This movie still has CGI that looks realer than a lot of movies that have come out in, the re in recent years. I still feel the yeah. realness coming from the screen. And I think that's like, it's not just, a, and, and that is not coming from rose colored, nostalgia driven glasses either. That's coming from somebody who like, I sit there and watch this movie and I'm floored by it. Every time I, I can quote it. I can talk along with the movie. I can literally sit there and enjoy this the same way I did when I was seven years old watching this movie again. Like it is impeccable yeah i mean it is one of those i i feel like this movie is the jaws of our generation mine and yours because yeah. the way i think of this movie is how and it is funny too that it's spielberg again kind of re-getting to do the monsters where this one it's like instead of being hidden under the water and intrigue right this is oh the dinosaurs are here in your fucking face and yeah. it still intrigues it's so fucking magical right the iconic scene that, you know, has just been gift over and over and over again and memed to death is everyone in the cars when the characters and the actors are seeing the dinosaurs for the first time. And they just had childlike awe and wonder. Yeah. And I feel like that's how I am. Every I was watching it tonight with my kids, right? And my kids have seen all of these a lot. <laughs> and I'm a bit ashamed to say, it's not a shame. They're kids, man. What do they know? 
But my my son Hunter just he really only likes Jurassic Park three because it has a Spinosaurus and pterodactyl. And I'm like, hey, yeah, right, you're, you're just like your wildly kids inferior a dinosaur junkie. That's, that's his thing. I'll tell you the truth. I think Jurassic Park three is better than Jurassic Park two. You can fight me at me. It's fine. But <laughs> but here, uh, what I will say though, man, that scene of them just looking right. Oh my god! And especially because. Especially that it's Grant, the most curmudgeon-y protagonist in, you know, in my young movie life to that time. I was like, man, this guy sucks. He's like your worst uncle. And you're like, I'm going to spend a whole dinosaur adventure with this motherfucker? And then you see him break when he sees that dinosaur. And he runs up, and he's overwhelmed by the joy of it all. That's how I feel. I was watching it tonight with the kids. And that, just when the universal sign comes up, and it's a, you're just like, like it, it sends chills down my spine still to this day. And just that opening of, it's coming through the trees. There's an eye of a monster, right? And it's just these these everyday men fighting against this tidal wave of science and monstrosity that's coming. You know, Muldoon or Muldry, ah, he's holding the hand and it slips through. Shoot her! You know, it's over for us. Shoot it's over for her! Yeah. Clever girl. Yeah. That with hey, by the way, if you were if you were a clever boy, you need some bigger shorts. It's a jungle out there. Unacceptable. <laughs> I don't care right, what bushwhacking you're doing. No, no, it's fine. He had the very Pants. tall socks. It's it, it all worked out. <laughs> softball rules. Slow pitch softball uniform for Moldry or Moldoon. I think his name's Moldoon. It's, it's Moldoon. But anyway, I just that that whole opening scene, I I am just gobsmacked by still to this day i don't know if so uh, i don't know how you what you think but i feel like again this is like the spielbergness of it all like jaws is a great example of it happening first like jaws in the first scene tells you everything you ever need to know about what to expect from this movie and Mm -hmm. jurassic park is no different within the first five minutes we all know what to expect from this movie which is that Mother Nature, no matter how often we fuck with it, no matter how often we try to maintain our balance with it, always wins. And that, to me, is the best part about the movie is I, even as a young seven-year-old kid sitting in front of my TV, knew that the minute that happened, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, And I was young enough where I had not read the book, but I was like, oh, my God, there's no way this is going to work out well. And obviously, I had seen trailers and shit like that. But nevertheless, I was still totally engaged, man, because I had to see how it all worked yeah. out. It's But we all had coloring books, and we're like, oh, they must not have ever colored the T-Rex. That guy's hardcore. <laughs> right? yeah, like, right? even as kids, you're like, yeah, don't mess with that thing. No, it is so funny you mentioned the books, because th- this was one of the first. That was, like, my thing. I was kind of a weird, like, loner kid, but I had really advanced reading level. And so well, it's Jurassic of the, Park, we, we, I read we found young, out was, this month. It was because of the charter behavioral stuff. The charter behavioral. Yeah. I used to have to do <laughs> call Don't back. Charter me, bro. Call back. Don't charter me in front of the whole. Uh, if it, any audience member knows what charter mental health services were. Now I'm chartered. First Don't off, it's me, charter behavioral health. And also it's a callback to a previous episode. Wow. Well, yeah. I'm glad my trauma is used for your uh, callback comedy there, Carrot Top. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Well, first off, prop <laughs> my, comedy. My emotional abuse by my father who left becomes the prop for your chuckles. Thanks, man. <laughs> but no, anyway. You're welcome. So I read the book, and I remember reading it, and you're just like, wow, I do not understand a lot of this. This is really intense. Yeah, it's But then intense. I remember feverishly trying to finish uh, Lost World before that movie came out so I could go to the theater. And we didn't go see it till Sunday because they hadn't finished the book yet. <laughs> so I was really into Jurassic Park. I think right. one of the things, too, I think one of the reasons that this movie is exceptional to me as well. This is the thing. you It's hard to discuss this movie because it's literally just what's great about it. All the actors, all the characters, the score, the effects work. I mean, it's just a, an amazing movie across the board. The thing that really struck me today was how solid the character work is. Yeah. And so right off the bat, every character we get introduced to feels so absolutely lived in fast. That is, I think, the real strength of the movie. And that is the thing that carries us through. Because, look, there are dazzling effects, of course. It's an absolute technical achievement. But from the jump, and I, I I was actually watching it this afternoon with my wife and my kid. And, like... 
that helicopter scene, the helicopter ride in and of itself. Yes. It's, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it is the, uh, it is the seatbelt scene. The seatbelts tell you everything you need to know about every single character. It's Sadler. Everything happens like she puts on the seatbelt. She's quick and ready. You see Ian Malcolm slide his seatbelt over his. He's like, oh yeah, I got this. No worries. Grant, he finds two. He finds two. You know, two uh, female ends to. He's like, I don't know what to do. Makeshift cinches himself in like that to me. That when I was a kid, I'm like, that is like the movie right there. These are these characters right there. And that's how you know that these characters will make it through this movie for one. But also that's how they'll react to literally everything that happens to them in the movie. It's an amazing scene. I, it's an amazing scene. Yeah. The seatbelt moment to me has always stuck out to me. And again, for even a young kid, that was the same way. That scene meant a lot to me. Yes. And it's weird that that's, but that's the kind I've always thought. That's Spielberg's greatest talent more than he is obviously a master of big spectacle, uh, fun for everyone kind of movies. Right. But what I think Spielberg has always been the master of is making he does really well with family like 80s families. It felt like he really nailed. Right. Yeah. When you watch E.T., that feels like a real family in that house. Right. Even movies uh, he produced like the Goonies. You're like, yes, that feels like. Mm hmm. A real and that that was always his great gift, and I think he does that again with like Jaws. I think that's what sets Jaws apart. Yes, is that world is so absolutely real in what he crafts, and that 100%. is always more important to a Spielberg journey than the big yes. spectacle that we go upon. Right. right. Well, and I and think that's this like, movie does such like I was I was laughing today. The Nedry line it absolutely cracked me up because here's this guy who makes all this money. He gets handed seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a suitcase. On this little island, right? And then he, he just looks at Dodson and does the, don't get cheap on me now, Dodson. <laughs> I was like, that so perfectly sums up Dennis Nedry to yeah. me. You There's, immediately are in. I It's, well, that, it's brilliant. That's the, Spielberg, that's the Spielberg touch to me. And that's the thing that always makes watching Spielberg movies so fascinating, so wonderful. And I mean, you know, I was into film school. I went through a time where I was like, oh, maybe Spielberg is not the greatest filmmaker. Never have had that problem since I've gotten out of film school. Like, everybody has that moment where you're like, is Spielberg just making blockbusters? Yes, he is. You know why? Because he's the, one of the greatest fucking directors in existence. But, like, it's that kind of stuff, the yeah. little iconography per character that he gives you and lets you, like, lets you just, like, ingest very, very subliminally. Because when we're kids, like, you know, you don't pick up on certain things, but that seatbelt scene and Nedry himself on the island in Costa Rica, like that, or not on the island, Costa Rica is not an island, but in the little bodega in Costa Rica, that to me, you're right. Like that's the iconography and that's the stuff that Steve, those are the little breadcrumbs Steven Spielberg leaves for you so that when you get to the big action and the big set pieces, you're not forgetting anything because nothing's more important than these characters as they go through this journey. And that's who you're grafting onto. And that's what makes Jurassic Park so impressive and so beautiful is that amidst all this technical achievement, you're still wondering, is Ian Malcolm's exploded leg going to like make it? Or is he going to like, is he going to be done? Like what's going to happen here? Like that's or more like, is Ian Malcolm's leg injury an excuse to cut his pants off so he can keep making passes at people <laughs> fucking creep. <laughs> but no, this is this is one of the brilliant things about the film to me is as I've gotten older, what matters less and less to me, right, is yeah. the scenes with the dinosaurs, weirdly enough, because that's what that's what is the big hook when you're a kid is mm -hmm. this fun dinosaur adventure. But yeah. if you go back and watch the movie, the best dinosaur scenes are really tempered by those people. Right. It's the yes. weird movie where when Goldblum reaches up and excuse me excuse me you are planning on having dinosaurs on your dinosaur <laughs> tour yes that's what you probably are thinking about the movie at times when you're young but that doesn't matter because sitting there watching dr malcolm explain chaos theory with the water is just as captivating as the t-rex to me totally i mean to me and since i was young like here's a great example even the triceratops scene right the Triceratops Absolutely. scene, instead of seeing this majestic beast in action, just seeing them walk up and seeing this laid low dinosaur. 
Yeah. Watching them react, watching Grant get expanded on the stomach, Ellie jumping into the shit, Malcolm trying to be cool but overwhelmed. Yeah. Right? Like it all it's just real like Timmy chasing him after he said hold right. back in case they it that's that's the stuff with the character. Like I was I was all struck by the T-Rex scene today. Again, the weirdest thing about the T-Rex scene is that the geography they lay out of that segment of the pen makes no sense. Because there's a little goat platform, the T-Rex is walking out, and next thing you know, Grant is literally doing a uh, Van Helsing rope to rope in a waterfall with the van coming down. You're like, what is happening here? But you before know, that, the actual T-Rex scene is just one of the most masterfully laid out scenes yes. I've ever seen. I mean, it's so well paced. I, I want to go back, like, real quick because one of my all-time favorite scenes and it, it started when i was a kid because i wasn't smart enough to understand what was happening but the lunch scene <laughs> where they all literally sit there and debate the ethics of what has been done on this place might be one of the most fascinating scenes in the movie because it lays out so quickly and so effortlessly a it gives all these actors great room to like do the thing that they're very good at like Again, I think that fucking Sam Neill is just an incredible actor. Like Sam Neill is so wonderful as like this stoic yeah. guy who is literally this is a guy who was digging up dinosaur bones 24 hours ago. And now he's literally faced with the very thing live in the flesh. He has no idea how to comprehend. Same with Sattler. <laughs> And then Ian Malcolm yeah. is sitting there. And you know giving- why he's not more overwhelmed, though? I don't know if you realize this. What is Dr. Grant on the island to do, right? He's essentially an insurance adjuster. Well, no, that's exactly what Sam it is. Sam Neill He's... in this movie. No, no, no. Sam Neill in this movie is simply stuck in another Sutter Kane novel. <laughs> oh, no. Sam Neill <laughs> reads Sutter Kane. He's stuck in a Sutter Kane. You to say. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, like. <laughs> Sam Neill's literally there to just Sam Neill's literally there to torpedo the entire place so he can make sure he can keep a job. That's pretty much his life. Um, <laughs> no, I, there's a way to go back and look at Sam Neill's work because he's kind of the scream king, right? Like he's in a lot of horror movies. You're like every one of his movies could be a yeah. Sutter Kane novel. <laughs> Sam Neill oh, just so really got trapped in this very meta movie, but and he's the still lunch scene gives us this. And again, like Jeff Goldblum gives like just one of the all timers for me, as far as like monologues go, he argues the, and again, when I was younger, I didn't really understand as I got older and I watched it over and over again. I realized it's like my favorite, it's really my favorite scene in the movie where he so effortlessly argues the ethics of like, what's been done here. And like, he sits there and just lays it out. He's like, guys, what's been done here is not just wrong. It's like, it's not ethically wrong. It, it is in the face of mother, you've pissed in the eye of mother nature. None of you guys have seemed to like, no, he uses the swanky, uh, the swanky, like hipster phrase. Well, of, yeah, I consider it the rape of the natural well, yeah, was, world. Would you guys consider discovery? I consider the rape of the natural world. And then like, what's wrong with, discovery? I will say Oh, this, what's Dr. so great Ian about Malcolm, discovery? Discovery is a violent, vicious act. Yes. Like it's all these penetrative act. He says it's all these great beats. And again, like, <laughs> When I was younger, like my dad, uh, my dad's a franchise attorney. So when I was younger, the only thing I pulled from it was when Hammond's like, "Amazing! I bring all you people here to defend me, and the only person I have here defending me is the blood sucking lawyer." And I remember like nudging my dad, like, "That's you, Dad. You're a lawyer." Not understanding what was actually going hey, on. Hey, Dad, you're a piece of shit, aren't you, pal? <laughs> yeah, that was I'm like dumping your briefcase later, pops. <laughs> But that was no. Like, it's it's an incredible scene. It is because but, it's it's an incredible. And I will scene. say this: Doctor Ian Malcolm is one of my top ten favorite movie characters ever. Yes, but again, for the life of me, I've never been able to figure out what his expertise is that allows him to be invited. I get you bring the dinosaur guy to the dinosaur island. It's like, hey, can we just have a slick talking uh, chaos guy <laughs> come to the island? <laughs> Can we have a? Can we have like really no like no? First, there are no zoologists. Hang on. Can we please? (laughs) Can we please dispel the rumor? By the way, can we dispel the myth that chaos theorists all look like Ian Malcolm? Please, chaos theorists. I don't want to. I get real. If there are chaos theorists at this point in 2020, he is, and they all have a Mrs. Voorhees shrine to Ian Malcolm. 
There is not one chaos theorist that is not saying things like penetrative and wearing leather jackets. Chaos theorists they look so exist. much closer to us than they do like Ian Malcolm. Like, I am sitting here wearing shorts and a t-shirt that right. says, I am a beacon of tolerance. They are definitely us, much more than... Oh, you put on pants for the pod. You fancy, huh? Yeah, well, you know. No, I'm just saying, he is the god of anyone who must yeah. be... Well, I bet there are entire swaths of people that became chaos theorists just because of Ian Malcolm. Well, I mean, Ian Malcolm, to me, when you think about it, like when you watch this movie and really consider it based on like our age demographic, Ian Malcolm is like the patron saint of nerd assholes everywhere. Like if you've ever been around someone who knows way too much about something. He foretold the coming of Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> oh my no God, way Malcolm up, Gladwell does not I was not laughing too hard. Ian I moved Malcolm. the camera. Now those two would make a great podcast. Doctor oh, e Malcolm on Malcolm. God damn, that is a fucking penetrating pod. nature with Malcolm Pen and Malcolm. Penetrating nature with Malcolm and Malcolm. <laughs> but yeah, I'd listen. I'm, but but no, again, this this that is that is like and as I've gotten older again, that is like my favorite scene in the movie is this. It's it's early on and it's right before the raptor pit and that kind of stuff. But again. It's just a scene that has always struck me, not just because of dialogue, but also because it, it lays out the foundation for the movie itself, which is how are you going to react to everything that's happening? When something bad happens in this movie, I think that's the best part about that scene because it's a kind of scene that gets thrown in the cutting room floor, in my opinion, a lot of the time. And because Spielberg's smart enough and he's a great director, again, of course, like we all need to know that, but Spielberg's smart enough to know that you need that scene in the movie so that later on when bad stuff starts happening, everybody in the audience is going to go back to that scene and think like, oh, well, was he right? Or was this just like, I mean, chaos of this. is It can't be like that. That seems like improbable. And I think that's the thing that I love the most is that the improbability of like all the power shutting down, someone trying to commit corporate espionage and there being a uh, tour going on at the same time is so just like coincidental. But then at the same time, it nearly... Or is it? Or is it? All right, let's go. Let's hear the theory. Come on. <laughs> Do you want to dissect the T-Rex scene first or you want to get into it? You want to get... Uh, get get more. Let's... Get. All right, fine. Let's get to getting. Let me just yeah. say this, though. I think what makes Jurassic Park and the T-Rex scene so great mm -hmm. is it is the best example of what I think CG should be used for. Yes. Wide 100%. shot, camera far away from the subject, animate. Way up close, awesome fucking creature work and prosthetic yes. work. Yes. Like the, the eyeball dilating. The, the that's an all-timer, man. I mean, that scene is so iconic in so many ways. But that's and what I—it's that, so the seamless mix of that giant T Rex. Oh, it's just beautiful. so seamless. Fine, Again, throw that out. You want to get into it? Let's you do, it, do man. it. You want to get? I want to hear. I want. I want to hear the theory. You've kept me on edge. You wouldn't Here's even tell me pre-show. I don't even think it's a theory. I think it's a goddamn fact that John Hammond set this shit up on purpose because humanity needed to learn a lesson. I think John Hammond created this abomination of an island so that he could be the first one there and dissuade us from ever tampering with genetic power. So you're saying... I think this is a Willy Wonka punishing greedy children scenario. What you're saying is Jurassic Park is basically the Hunger Games, correct? Like, that's what no, it I'm sounds like. I'm saying it's Willy Wonka. And I think the subject of the attacks are Tim and his Tim and granddaughter. Lex. Lex. I think Tim and Lex are who the lesson is for because they're going to become trust fund, trust fund douches. And I think it's time for Grandpa to lay the smack down, genetically speaking. I think this whole thing is a goddamn setup in a room. So what you're saying is let's, this let's is the most this, this is the most expensive Why? version of King Lear anyone's ever experienced. Copy. All right, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy it. Sure, rich white people again. This is the theme of genetic editing month. It's always rich white people fucking everything. It's up. Always rich white this people. Is what I'm talking about. God damn it. So he, 
Richard Attenborough, who, by the way, gives an all-time performance, right? This is a great performance, is John Hammond. Here are some things that don't add up to me. John Hammond gives the Flea Circus speech, which is one of the best scenes in the movie. Yes. Unbelievable. Are you telling me that a man who is as gifted as him built an empire, right? Harnessed this genetic power to make dinosaurs is not aware of the irony of that story. Cannot learn his own lesson from that story that Ellie Sattler learns within one second of him finishing the story. No. Here's what happens. Timmy's getting a little too into these fucking dino books, right? He's chatting up Thanksgiving like, man, this kid sucks. Right? They're all trying to lock him in a Jeep at Thanksgiving. And he's like, who's this motherfucker? Dr. Grant. All right. I'm going to bring Dr. Grant and rope his ass in. Also ropes in Malcolm's book. Blah, blah. Or, uh, <laughs> so why is he roping in Grant? Because that's his. That's Timmy's guy, right? This will give it some, some oomph. Why does a guy who constantly says no expenses spared have Dennis Nedry running the entire park? How does that make sense in any universe? That Dennis Nedry has that much control over the park. Why? Why? Well, is Dennis Nedry not the foremost authority? Isn't that the idea that he's the foremost authority on? You were telling me you can't find someone else who's not a gigantic slob and covers their things in wrappers and Oppenheimer pictures. Well, like, be, what are you talking about? You don't think there's but, a better guy to run Jurassic Park than Dennis Nedry? Is that your contention? Well, to be fair, I mean, there's probably better people than chain-smoking Samuel L. Jackson and Robert Muldoon, who literally is just sitting there in uh, high socks saying, quiet, they're entering the Tyrannosaur paddock. This to my point, though. So here's, here's another interesting example, right? They're bringing these people in to get a look at the exhibits of Jurassic Park, the things that are going to make this island profitable for investors, right? right. John Hammond knows the engine's coming. Right. And that when engine sees what he does, this thing is going to get monetized and ramped up, and it will be a big, big issue, right? John Hammond wants this motherfucking place closed down. Why does he bring them in in a Jeep, a luxurious island jaunt to go look at the herds, Right. And then the first thing he does, he said, sits on the, sit on the shitty ride and not see dinosaurs. You're telling me John Hammond or no one else ever rode that ride and was unaware of the fact that you could not see dinosaurs on the dinosaur ride. That slipped John Hammond's attention? I wouldn't say it slipped his attention. Perhaps he just... Uh, no, it didn't. Perhaps he never took the ride. You don't think... That John Hammond, the creator of this island, didn't I'm take playing, the ride. I'm playing devil's advocate. I 1,000% think he took the ride. Sure. But it's more entertaining if sure. I say he did. Sharpen, sharpen your pitchfork. But tell me, does that even make sense? No, of course not. No. No, it doesn't. Right? Here's the other thing that doesn't make sense. Here's another thing. John Hammond gets on the ride, right? The ride that's going to explain everyone. John Hammond has lines. John Hammond's plan billionaire creator of Jurassic park is to do a fucking nine to eight every day <laughs> interacting with Mr. DNA as a tour guide. He's built into the program. He has lines. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? I'll admit it was a little <laughs> weird, but I think that ridiculous. That's it's ridiculous. But the 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 but the the, the um the park is still in a testing phase. It's not ready to be open to the public. I'm sure later on John Hammond really like, I'm not gonna, I can't be, be here for an eight hour. I can't do that. So he's he like Colin Fallon like Jurassic World. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He probably that's no, that's probably what led thing. to the hiring of Chris Pratt, hence Jurassic World. Do you think it is a bit coincidental? That John Hammond and everyone escapes the ride exactly as a baby Velociraptor is born? Well, no. When obviously. Dr. Grant's specialty, his dino boner, is Velociraptors. Okay. I mean, if we're going to do this, th this is a different conversation. No, 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 no. Like, Follow me down this rabbit hole because this is wildly important. What does that lead to? Take I me to the Velociraptor I, paddock. 
I understand the rabbit hole that you're going down, but this is also getting closer to thematic and narrative. Like this is narrative punctuality. Like the whole point of getting to Velociraptor is so that we get to the paddock. So we get to Muldoon. So we understand how important and how severe it is. If the, if the Velociraptors get out, that's not what it's for. Cause they have a brilliant shot in that scene, right? Is they are watching them mauling this cow, right? In this tiny, tiny little shit box with three velociraptors. At one point, eight velociraptors in this tiny little fucking fence, right? And we see how big they are later. That's madness. Is Grant looks down in awe and horror at the conditions of these dinosaurs, his dino boner dinosaur. Grant is looking at him. Only Grant's face with this little fucking devilish smile. Because he knows he's fucking got him. He knows he's got him. Now, here's where the, the thing gets interesting. is because he himself faces the life will find a way threat of uncontrolled circumstances. He sets up this entire ruse with Nedry and everyone else so the park will fail. So that his trust fund grandkids will not create these abominations later in an uncontrolled fashion, right? But he, even himself, does not take into account that he could also be fucking betrayed. Imagine this. A giant tropical storm is on the way. They're on a ride where they've never seen dinosaurs. And then he goes, do we really have to bring my grandkids back in from the category five, whatever? <laughs> He's playing it up. He's playing it up. I really think that you're taking advantage of the storytelling technique we're using here. However... Oh, no. In this elaborate, I'm only using the evidence that was laid out before me. In this elaborate King Lear of a story you're coming up with, <laughs> I mean, yes, all. I mean, but yes, the entire all evidence movie, points the towards the scene where your Lex point. is eating sure. the Jello. This is it. When Lex is eating the Jello, right? Her and her brother are just sitting in front of this opulent feast that, of course, they didn't earn. And as the Jello shakes when she sees whoa, the whoa, genetic whoa, whoa, whoa. whore enter, that's they the survived, lesson. That's what he was doing this whole thing the for. They survived the park in the wild. They earned Jello, at the least. Did they? They earned Jello. How fucking dare you? Tim almost died. <laughs> also, isn't it weird that they have an electrocution fence that can't kill Tiny Tim? <laughs> Why? just supposed to give him a good scare a good scare all right so we're just doing this now like we're just saying whatever's whatever happens is like oh i maybe. i don't know if it weren't so late because of our goddamn time difference perhaps i'd be more ginsu sharp this is also good so willy wonka this is so willy wonka right now it's insane i watched that movie and i'm fucking telling you hammond staring at granite the velociraptor pit tells you it's a fucking ruse there is no here's a question, right? Worst case scenario, they have storms all the time, right? No. Nope. They've I, never I, had a, a storm that could knock out the electricity of the fence. Where's the goddamn military unit? You are Where's doing the military the, unit. You're you're doing the exact thing we always talk about not doing on this show, which is taking a theory. All you're doing what? is taking exposing truths? All you're taking is all you're taking is the incident like the incidental narrative and deciding to manufacture it into this version of Willy Wonka no. on the Chocolate Factory. I can How do that too. You? How I dare can, you? You can absolutely Okay, so How dare you? Okay, do the same thing for Ian Malcolm then. Ian Malcolm's there because he wants him to die. <laughs> but why? John Hammond wants him to be dead and Why eaten by though? dinosaurs. So John Hammond wants him to be dead. Says, okay. I John, really hate he that said, man. This is the rape of the natural world. I don't want to be a part of it. Copy. Okay, cool. So that means John Hammond's willing to risk his grandchildren's life to send them out into the park, nearly kill his grandchildren in the process, yes. almost killing Ian Malcolm as well. Which, by the way, yes. in the book, he died. They like retconned it in the Lost World, but either way, see, so makes sense. What you're saying, so what <laughs> no, you're saying is the that the grandkids must be tortured. The grandkids must must be tortured. I'm not. It's important. 
I'm not going. They show to- us Oppenheimer, right? Timmy and Lex, a little fucking girl computer hacker that can already run Jurassic Park. Whoa, 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 whoa. It, why Hang is Jurassic Park using the exact system computer she's already trained Computer hacker? In? She knows how to use the Linux system, all right? Relax. All she right? says she's a hacker. That's her own designation. That's her right. own designation. She prefers. Yeah, to be I know. Hacker, I saw. Alex. Yeah, it's I the saw the movie. Nomenclature. Yeah, I saw the movie Hackers too, and started typing faster. That doesn't make me a hacker. All right, that's just, that's not Do how it works. Do you think it's weird that Jurassic Park is run on the exact same middle school program that she is training on? I don't. I I worked I on a Linux system when I was in school in Indiana, just like you. All right. You're younger than me. There's no fucking way you worked on a Linux system. I'm a year younger. We than played you. Oregon Trail and Number Munchers. Yes. Who are you kidding? Carmen that San Diego. <laughs> Carmen San Diego is a TV show and we were kids. It's very different. You're telling me that this island is full of murderous what giant I'm predatory I'm saying is you are skewing the and narrative. The power could go out at any time in your theory. All they do, literally, ask pitchfork this argument for me. You're telling me that these murder beasts could get out anytime a storm comes, and they're like, well, we got to go round up the murder beast. And not, they literally just have a guy in softball no, socks. No, that's with not what happened. Not anytime <laughs> a storm comes. The storm, did, the storm did not knock out the power system. Nedry did. It's different. Right, but I'm saying a storm of a strong enough power could knock that out. Could it? That's never been established. An Maybe it's quite rather resistant. Storm. Weather resistant? What? <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a fucking setup. That shot at the paddock clued me in. Even at the end, John Hammond, that smug little bitch, sitting on He's the helicopter this as they up fly as out go. at the end of the movie, he twirls his staff and looks at that amber mosquito and his clever ruse and how he saved mankind. Got it. So we're officially going Willy Wonka with this. Copy that. In that case... I'm just saying... I'm just saying it's a new theory. I just formulated it like four hours ago after some beers. Yeah, that's fucking clear. I think. (laughs) How dare you? I'm drunk. There is evidence. I'm telling you right now. There is evidence to support I'm doing this podcast, and I'm telling you right now what you are saying makes almost no sense if this is the kind of – if you're gonna, if we're gonna make theories based on very incidental storytelling motifs, then in that case, sure. No, but that is not it's the intention. Not incidental motifs. Why do they not have locks on the doors? What because are you talking about? They do Grant have locks on the doors. To escape. No, they don't. Grant walks right out of the jeep. He wants them to get out. He wants them to see the ugly side of the park. I'm telling you. It's there. I'm going to have to crystallize this. I'll crystallize. Like if we did this pod one year from now, this would be an ironclad. Literally the worst theory DC. you've come up with. It makes no sense and also only How? works. It only works if you are using incidental storytelling. No, because this is the thing. I don't believe in movie coincidence, right? You get one give. The give is that all a guy you're talking about is movie dinosaurs. coincidences. All and you're talking yeah, about exactly. is coincidence. This is a masterfully made movie. They're not just putting random shit like that in without it having a meaning. That's why oh. it matters. Because Hammond, who thinks he's in control of this clever ruse that's going to get his park shut down and is going to fire up the genetic watchdog so that we don't get this he even shows in the video there's a lot of john hammonds right what he's really worried about is the human cloning phase oh my god right so he's protecting us from all of this by alerting the watchdogs by getting the park shut down right he's getting out ahead of this fucking weapon that trust fund timmy is definitely going to unleash upon us which by the way happens anyways so it doesn't even fucking matter so whatever you're saying no 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 you that's not fair that is unfair debating because you're taking things from the sequels and using them to argue this movie to me. you are literally treating this as willy wonka and the chocolate factory and it makes no sense all you're doing is using incidental logic let me riddle me this could john hammond have found a vhs copy of charlie and the chocolate factory Really? Are we having this conversation? Okay, cool. By that rationale, could he have also found a copy of Harold and Maude? Who knows? 
I mean, if we're just gonna yeah, well, if he was trying to if he was trying to marry the youngest dinosaur on the island, I would say that's a fair. Well, there point. you go. It's the same argument. <laughs> I don't even know why you're. Ha- I don't Are even you know saying why that's why he makes all the dinosaurs girls. <laughs> I don't even know why we're having this fucking debate. It's the same argument. I'm telling you. But that, what I'm that, is the, is, that is the crux of the problem right there. You're using incidental logic to support your theory, and it makes no sense. Hey, hey, first off, first off, finger pointer, the alchemist will decide if I have any merit. You guys will all go back and watch that. You'll be like, oh, dude, there is something fishy with this guy. There is something fishy. I'm telling you, he is getting out. He sits and stares at Dennis Nedry's fucking Eminem stained Oppenheimer picture, and he knows what he's got to do. What you're deciding. He knows what he gets to do. What you're deciding. But then he gets life finds a wade, right? He gets chaos theoried because he did not expect it to go down this way. Right. Exactly, I don't think though. he planned what for Nedry you're to deciding, shut everything down. What you're deciding is to ignore the concept of hubris. Hubris in the face of Mother Nature and decide that it instead is an elaborate ruse built by a man to teach his grandchildren yes. a greater lesson about humility in the face of much greater odds. That, my friend, makes that no exactly sense. That sounds exactly like what this movie is. How that, my friends, you? makes you no sense. You think John Hammond is... You really think this is a that guy is who not just what thinks I, he's making a flea that circus? That is not what I'm getting at. What I, I'll tell you right now. The reason the flea circus scene is more interesting... <laughs> for, this is why I like the flea circus scene, actually. Because I love again, that scene. It's a great you know, scene. It's a fantastic scene. <laughs> but to me, this is like the essence. And again, like we haven't even gotten to the end of this movie yet. And because it's critically unimportant based on the rest of it. You've all seen this movie. The reason the flea... <laughs> because the now that you know it's a ruse, you're not so interested. Please. The reason the flea circus scene is so important. The reason the flea circus scene makes so much sense when you think about it. And again, I had to watch this when I was much older to really like gather it because when i was a kid i was like fast forwarding through it i'm like just get to the fucking dinosaurs but the reason this flea circus scene is so important is because what it demonstrates is that in the face of literal literal chaos john hammond still has the audacity to piss in mother nature's eye what he sits there and says is that he created this ruse to begin with as a flea circus what this is is just bigger fleas. His ability to control so glib. His ability so glib. How dare you? The ability yes. to control the ability what to I control mother. The ability to control I'm, I'm mother give, nature. I'm going to give you something impossible. to chew on. So therefore, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a little goat in your paddock. You want it? Sure. Re- go chew for on it. this, there, angry Alex. There is a lost gospel of the Bible. <laughs> Right? Fuck you. It, Whatever you're about to no, say, don't listen, even finish the sentence. Don't even it's finish the, bu- the fucking sentence. Listen, it's called the book of Judas, right? Just stop. And it's all about how Judas is actually the greatest disciple and Jesus trusted him the most because he's like, you gots to be the one to betray <laughs> me so that I can foist this shit on everyone for the rest of time. Cool. So we're 1,000% right? so done me every quoting the Bible. Got it. Stop. First off, this isn't in the Bible. It's one of the lost books. The old whites of the time threw that shit out, dude. But this is the thing. So Judas is actually takes upon himself the mantle of betrayer, the mantle of hubris for so little money because he is doing the greatest deed that we the need mantle to get this of religion hu- kickstarted. No, no, no. That is not hubris. Hubris is pride. Pride cometh before the fall. What he did but in, what I'm saying in the is, context of what you're talking about, based on the gospel of Judas, by the way, would would constitute just- <laughs> not pride, but much more humility. That is not hubris. Humility is very different. But what I'm saying is, is John Hammond, like Judas, knows that someone's got to step up for Mother Nature. He is the white knight for Mother Nature, not some fucking R. Kelly of nature. He is the fucking shield of it. When someone else is trying, when he knows, Sorry, I want to make sure Timmy's that this is. Come I want to make sure like, that I've this is on all of these Jello feasts my whole life. I want to make sure this is stated clearly on the podcast. Griffey just called John Hammond the R. Kelly of Mother Nature, and that is a very important. Whoa! Thing. No, I said he's the opposite. <laughs> if if there was a guy who like dove in front of those kids and took the piss upon himself, 
that's John Hammond. <laughs> that's John Hammond. You know, first off, <laughs> again, I I think if you, yeah, I think uh, Book of Judas, notwithstanding, uh, the. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get so scholarly on you. <laughs> yeah, wow. Sorry, I'm sure I, I'm interpreting that. Sorry, the exact I forgot properly. you went. To, I forgot <laughs> you and I forgot you went to Holy Cross with Rudy. My bad. Um, I would say the. I think I saw it on History Channel between Ancient Aliens. <laughs> You're just making my point for me now. Um, uh, ultimately, but the, I think the 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 flea circus scene though is again a very important scene because it is about the hubris John Hammond has in the face of Mother Nature because. Not only that, he has this conversation. He talks about how it was all a fugazi. It was all fugazi. It was all just nonsense. Yeah, and then it he, is. And then it he is. doubles back to Sattler and says, but this time we I know. Agree. Now I know. I know how to fix it. I know what to do. I, I, I mistrusted Nedry. I did the wrong thing. He admits it. Therefore, he knows he did the wrong thing. If there's one person in the history of movies who never admits to doing the wrong thing, it's fucking Willy Wonka. So I would say in that case... If you use the flea circus scene as your thesis, your your theory is pretty much blown because admitting humility. First off, and admitting- I'm using no, 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 no. I'm using the inhumane treatment of the non-free range velociraptors as my thesis. First off, second, like, okay, I'm not going to relitigate this whole thing with you. The alchemists know this dog hunts. <laughs> this I got to say, there's meat got on the it. bone. Like a velociraptor and T-Rex, I got to hunt. I found the it's, truth of this fucking ruse. It's beyond comprehension. I'm just saying there's meat there. No. No, no it's, there's what? not. He would never hire John Hammond. His entire defense. You would never bring your grandchildren, who you love, to an island of murder dinosaurs and say, this guy with the tall wool socks is the only thing between us and death. That's ridiculous. Again, all you're doing is using incidental logic from the movie to support your theory, which, while normally I enjoy deeply, well, I can tell think, you, I think is bullshit no, no, no. this time. Like Slenderman, who started as a story and then we birthed him into reality, that's what John Hammond did. He fucking even fooled all of us. Got it. So, so what you're saying but is that Griffey is, in fact, the creepypasta of this entire thing. <laughs> Copy that. <laughs> No, you are so close-minded. You are so you are an Ian Malcolm over there. Uh, yes, You're just like I'm right. only here to shit on things and drop water on your girlfriend. That's right. What you consider a uh, Willy? Watch w- the scene at the paddock. What you consider a Willy watch Wonka? Watch the scene theory. at the paddock in the way John Hammond looks at Grant. What you consider a Willy Wonka King Lear storytelling device? I consider the rape of the natural world <laughs> so penetrative this theory so penetrative this theory no i hey this movie if you want to accept the uh you know the sheeple version as you do or if you want to be like me and hunt you want to get on the scent and hunts for the truth it works either way it does it works either way it's a mat. And again, what is so great about this movie, and I love... Again, I think this theory holds true. I think, like, two years from now, I'm going to blow the fucking lid off this case, right? Like, I'm just doing the basic... Fo- I'm just a, a gumshoe who just got the scent right now. That's right. You and the but flat... I'm the you, way. I mean, I'm you and the flat earthers, you got it, man. I'm in. <laughs> I will make you a guarantee right here. I will blow the lid off of my discovery before the flat earthers do. cool what's the date today what's the date today today's the 24th <laughs> copy got it i'm good may 24th griffey says he's blown the lid off this thing i'm just saying i cracked it uh here's another scene i love nedry not because of the the, the slide whistle that's Which, by the way scene, is a great right? slide whistle great audio cue well, it's the best slide whistle use in all-time movie history. But this, right. what I love about that scene, again, and what this movie does so well, is all of the dinosaur scenes are actually just great character moments. Nedry talking to that Dilophosaurus yes. is just A-plus genius to me. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, that scene, I mean, 
I'll tell you the other one that I think is, it's not just because it's, it's not just because it's scary. It's magnificently paced for a movie like this too, is Sattler running across to the, uh, the control paddock to like actually turn everything back on that bit. The yeah. entire scene where Weird she, they don't have a guy who works in the electrical shack. That's really strange. Just stop. Hmm. Stop. Hmm. Incidental. Hmm. He probably left on the boat to go home after to avoid the storm. You're welcome. That's not that's not an essential job on the island. Electrician. Stop, Stop it now. Nedry had it when all I automated. Get the, hey, I'm sorry. When the dog gets a scent. Mm, I'm on it. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Whatever that was, cut it out. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> you know. Are, are we saying that's an official mix on the uh, the hunting dog motif for the pod? <laughs> oh my god! Noted. I'll add it. I'll add it to the the list of things I'm not allowed to do on the show anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that I mean that to me is another great scene. It's so wonderfully based. Actually, like there, if there's anything that reminds me the most of Jaws in that movie, it's that fucking scene right there. Particularly when like she she's turned the power back on. And the fucking hand comes out. Oh, my God, dude. That is one of the great reveals. Because you know it's bullshit. You know it's just like some dead guy's arm. Poor Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel Jackson, by the way, smokes yeah. cigarettes down to the fucking filter in this movie. And I have so much respect for it. <laughs> That's true smoker shit, though. That's yeah. true smoker stuff. That, that I, might be one of my, uh, that be one of my favorite little that- iconography moments. Yeah, I mean, to me, the scene that is obviously the most comparable to Jaws is the T-Rex because sure. it operates so effectively for a long time without seeing the dinosaur. Yeah. It's real. It's really amazing. I mean, that the twang of the string that made the ripple in the cup, I mean, that's an all-time movie moment, right? One of the – I mean, that's got to be a top five most iconic moments in this movie – and it's just a cup of water on the deck. Oh, dude, top five, to top five most iconic movements in movie zone. history. Period, is that moment? Yeah, like, I mean, that just is, that little ripple, right? To me, that's that's an all time bit as iconic as the barrels. It's the barrels 100%. and jaws, right? Like those Absolutely. moments are perfect because it's this unseen horror. It's one moment where our reality is distorting, and we know something really fucking scary is coming. <laughs> I love that scene. I also love in that scene, too, the T-Rex scene. It made me laugh today because I was like, how long are Grant and Malcolm just going to watch that fucking Jeep full of kids get mauled? (laughs) There's a version of that movie where Grant's like, good fuck that kid. (laughs) Like, that Jeep is getting attacked for, like, five minutes, it feels like, before Grant's like, maybe I'll try a flare. I don't know. (laughs) Grant tries a flare, then Malcolm... (laughs) Then Malcolm does the flare and ends up getting the lawyer eaten. That poor guy was just in the toilet, hiding out. He probably would have survived. That guy sucks. Well, yeah, he sucks. The blood-sucking lawyer, he sucked. He sucked. Well, no, he ran out on children. He committed a sin he deserves to get eaten. That's how movies work. Absolutely. You commit a sin, you get eaten. I don't disagree with that because we've disagreed on a lot on this pun. But nevertheless, I agree. I just wish you weren't – Totally making yourself the village rube for all the internet to hear because they're all going to hear this thesis for sure. I'm sure that, like Griff, Griff's got the scent. It's true. Scent. I bet you, the flat earthers, the people who deny the moon landing, everybody will be like <laughs> super on board. Don't lump me. In. I have evidence for mine. That's the difference. Mine Do has you? evidence. Do you? Do you? You're telling me that uh, a filmmaker is is uh what's the word i'm looking for adept yes that's a great word you're welcome steven spielberg is just leaving random tidbits everywhere throughout this whole movie uh no hang on let's uh, pump the brakes random tidbits no no you're picking up on random tidbits and deciding that they're important all right i'm just picking up what's been laid down for me You, you bet man I bet you and that I am Hansel and Gretel leading the breadcrumbs back to society. You, that guy who fired a rocket in a cornfield and died because he thought he was going to try to prove that the earth was flat. You guys, I peas in a pot as far as I'm concerned. I am so uninterested 
and you comparing me to these lesser conspiracy theorists. I put at least some time into this theory. You uh, is there the any eight- other things about Jurassic Park that we both adore that we missed on this talking? I mean, uh, we're not. Anything- we don't deserve Laura Dern. I feel like there no. was a big gap between Laura Dern in this movie and uh, thankfully where she is now. Yes, the I, best. I the cast is phenomenal. I mean, there's really not a lot else to say. Like this movie is just so. This movie is one of those that's just like this close to perfect, man. Like. I, I've never yeah. had I've never had a better time watching a movie than, than watching this movie. Like this is one of those things that I try to watch multiple times a year simply because it is so good. It is so wonderful and it brings yeah. you such pleasure. And again, like we're sitting here talking about, you know, conspiracy theories and that kind of thing. Like that's the point of the movie though. Like to me, this is what makes it so great is like we can have all these different ideas about what makes it so wonderful. But at the end of the day, we can all agree that collectively this movie is one of the greatest movies of, of, that's ever been made. Yeah, and I always wonder if it's so – like if I'm so biased because it's just – it's one of the like three to five most important movies of my life. I don't think but you are because I, I would mean, say the same movie, thing. It literally is a movie about a guy who makes a fucking dinosaur park. Yeah. Right. Like that just doesn't sound like the kind of movie that goes on to be so widely loved as this movie has. And I think it's a great testament to all of those other elements that just make it this fucking unbelievable journey. I mean, I think the characters really are just unbelievably good in this. And that's it's it's hard to say, because, again, I, I go back to being a kid and seeing this movie and it just. Like you reminded me of, I don't know, like Fantasia, right? Where Mickey sees the uh, sorcerer and he's like, I want to do that and have that power. That's It was the first time I watched a movie, so utterly loved it, and left the theater saying, oh my God, someone made that. I have to figure this out, right? Because it just, it shattered my mind. When was this, 94? Yeah, 94. Yeah, I was 10 years old. And it was just like, holy shit. And I've never... There was never a movie like I think we all have like the movies, right? So I remember this in the theater being a, a watershed moment. I remember getting my uh the first like bootleg VHS of Mallrats someone recorded me. Yes. And you're like, oh dude, guys like me make like we all have that journey, right? Of the movies that change you and change your relationship with movies. Yeah. And this is just that that fucking film to me. And and yeah, I mean, there are parts of the movie, like to this day. I've never understood why they need the car sliding down the tree scene. You're like, that has nothing to do with dinosaurs, genetics, ethics. Uh, that's not how that would work. It's a weird scene, but it also shows Grant being heroic with him. So you're like, it gives fine, you a okay. minute to like Grant. And it's, it's one of those weird, it's still so well done. It doesn't make sense to be in the no, movie. No, it it's doesn't. Still but like, so it, well done. It, I love it. It gives Grant a chance <laughs> to be heroic. It gives you a chance to sympathize with Tim, who's been like annoying up to that point. And then you have that moment, like I still yes, get choked up. Yes, he has, up. hasn't he, Alex? <laughs> I, shut up. He's still, but you have that moment where, that like, little bastard. I, I still get choked up when you just like I threw up. I'm like, oh, this poor kid. Like he's been through like the fucking ringer. He didn't deserve it, fucking Hammond. If you subscribe to that theory, I'll bet you. I'll bet you. He comes out a better man on the other side. <laughs> he does. As we see. I love that at the age of 35, a movie that I so adore and have seen so many times, completely unfolded for me like Pinhead's Puzzle Box today. And now it's like I have a whole new favorite movie to love. Uh, yeah, good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> That's it, guys. That's it for a Jurassic Park. For now, I might have to come back when I have this thesis Part fully boiled. Duh. <laughs> Part duh. <laughs> I hope you guys love Jurassic Park as much as we do. I'm assuming we all love Jurassic Park, man. Um, it is one of those movies, too. You're like, I just, I've never met anyone who said they hated Jurassic Park. There are some movies like that. Like, maybe it's not your favorite, but like, hate it? I've never heard. Uh, so, guys, as always. Please take a second, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the pod, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out enormously, and we appreciate it. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's Nerd Alchemist, plural with an S at the end. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Uh, and get at us on all your socials, man. Let us know 
that the dog found the scent. Stop. Let us know Stop what movies now. you want me to crack open next. Uh, <laughs> and that wraps up the Pod Edits Genetics Month. What an awesome month of movies this has yeah, been. Yeah, this was pretty killer, um, man. We're not quite ready to announce next month, but we do have some really fun stuff coming up. Uh, and we will let you know on social media as soon as we have it. Uh, thanks again, guys. This was a great night, and I'm glad that we were able to solve this case together for the film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffin. <laughs> Alex Dandino. Alex Dandino, a close-minded rube. <laughs> 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 <laughs>